Welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name is Emma Doyle, and I have the pleasure of interviewing. I would say a very good friend and colleague from the tennis industry, AJ Pant. Thank you so much for joining me, AJ. How are you? Very well, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. Always uh, look forward to chatting with you. Yeah, absolutely. AJ, I'll jump straight into it. The first question, AJ, is the Vegemite question. The Australian spread, you either love it or you strongly dislike it or you've never tried it. What's your take on Vegemite, mate? Well, I'm American, so it's peanut butter and jelly. How's that one? <laughs> Never tried it? I, I have tried it. Um, it's an acquired taste. So because you answered that way, my friend, you can choose either. Well, actually, no. Let's be honest. I want both examples. Your worst coaching moment and what were the lessons and your best coaching moment and what were the lessons. But you can choose peanut butter or jelly first I don't mind what what story do you want to share with the coaching podcast first um, and just for clarity are you talking about me as a coach or me being coached I don't mind either or it's exactly. any any example that comes to mind up to you to me one of the more touching ones is when I was first starting off I, I was I'd left Arthur Ashe had passed away I'd left voluntary at that point but I was just joined TC in Midtown, and it was a very small club in Kansas City. And I had a chance to work with a young man who I didn't realize this, but uh, you know, was was dealing with some pretty serious issues um, in terms of the brain and in terms of processing information. And I just didn't know that. And um, I have no formal training. He just came into the group, uh, Dave, and you know, we just made it work. Um, and he, he went on, it was a Special Olympics uh, somewhere in this country, I can't remember where, but he got a, you know, got a nice medal, I forget, silver, gold, whatever the case is. And, uh, you know, he, he, he mailed the medal to me. So I, I didn't quite know what to make of it. So I called his mom and I said, you know, I, you know I, I, look, I mean, he's, he's a great kid. And, but she goes, you, you've got to understand because of the, situation with medically with the brain she said you know you don't understand and i i still struggle with it they go with the the medal the only thing he cared about was that you are recognized by him because he feels that close to you It's, it's got nothing to do with coaching or any brilliant tactics or strategy it was just pure sheer you know, he's, he just, he loves you and he, and he wants to give you this because it means that much to him. And, you know, you kind of sort of, I didn't know I was doing this, but you kind of sort of changed his life. So, I mean, what more can you ask for? I, and and I, I kept, I've kept it because as a human being, it's like, well, wait a second, I can't take your medal. This is yours. I mean, send me a thank you card or something. But no, that, that was like, that was one of the more potent ones to understand that I, I thought I was teaching in tennis and that was not what I was doing at all. So really that was very touching at, at multiple levels. Mm. And, you know, in terms of 
bad coaching moments. Uh, I, I'm guilty of these. Uh, I certainly we, will, we all are. We all are. Well, I might be more than most, but um, not, no names, obviously. But So when I was a young, and I might add a very young coach, um, I had the privilege of working not exclusively. I was just one of many, many coaches working with a lot of very strong up-and-coming juniors. And if I kept track of at 12 and 13 and even 14, where I would tell someone who, you know, wanted their goal was to go pro and, you know, be ranked one in the world or 10 in the world or somewhere in the top 50. And I, I was very young as a disclaimer. But if I kept track of how many of these young, incredibly good players, I, I went with, well, I don't see that. I was very young. I don't see that. I think, you know, you, we need to have you more look at a D1 scholarship or something. And obviously, I was completely wrong. So some of them who once they, you know, became very, very big names, uh, they would gently remind me of what I had said. And of course, now we know so much more with sports sciences and we understand you know, it's a late development model. This is not, but I did that a lot because I, I just, I just didn't see much. Now, obviously, pre-puberty, especially as, as you know, once you know, the body changes at, you know, at 16, it's a different person. It's a different brain. I didn't know that back then. So I, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I would, I did that quite a few times, I was very young. And, you know, but the coaching moment for anyone listening is, you know, do not get judgmental. And none of us has the right to start saying, well, this, this will not happen or this will happen. Just let things evolve and, you know, be a coach. That's your role. You're not there to say what will, you know, you'll be number one. The world is equally silly as opposed to, well, you know, I don't see you doing that. I think you'll be a very good fit for a strong colleague. So. Um, that's my hall of shame. <laughs> hall of shame. I think many of us can benefit from that. So just staying on that just for two two minutes, uh, I'd love to know how do you answer that question these days? How how can we help our listeners when because that's such a common question. So I just I have to stay on that. Just so if I was a, a student, I say to you, I want to be top 10 in the world, and you're you're looking at me, I'm 12 years of age, and you're thinking, oh subconsciously your subconscious bias kicks in so how do you answer that question especially to parents these like how what would you say well it, it it's a darn relevant question one it in you have to be supremely disciplined to give a good answer number two you've got to know your stuff you've got to be involved in legitimate long-term athlete development or what we're calling american development model now if you are not supremely confident and you just kind of make up stuff, then, you know, that's not fair to your students. To be more specific, great. Okay, that, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you're thinking like that. Let's, let's break it down. So what do you want to see happen in the next two years, one year? How about next month? How about this week? How about today? And the dads and moms have to be involved in that conversation because it cannot be the dad or mom saying, well, this is going to be the diet and the, you know, the kids barely potty train. Uh, you know, the, this is what you can't eat fries and on Sundays you'll practice. A it's like, no, 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 I don't need any of that nonsense. 
I need the a complete alignment, the good old triad, if you will. Once that happens, again, I'm supremely confident like you in terms of I will do whatever it takes, but it's got to be student centered. So if it's if you're if I'm not doing what is absolutely in the best interest of my student, I will and I have. I will walk away from the situation. I will not, I cannot, that's where the discipline comes in. That do you, are you prepared to walk away? Because if this is not going to be the best thing for my student, I'm not going to do it. And that, you know, I think it's easier for you and me to do something because we've done this long enough. But, you know, that's where the discipline and the notion of, you know, this is student-centered and it's not a fluff word. If you're not doing everything, which is in the best interest of your student, you shouldn't be coaching. Yeah. And I feel very strongly about that. I make no apologies for that statement. I will, I have, I will just walk away from it. It's like, no, I'm not going to commit to that because that is not right for the student. Can most people who are just starting do that? Probably not, you know, because you're also looking at, this feeds my ego. This could get me, look who I'm working with. Look who I've been seen on TV with. You know, those are, those are, those are human emotions. So the discipline is, is the key and the absolute certainty about, I know what I'm doing here. Mm. And if you don't, it's okay to say, I'll get back to you or I'm going to reach out to a mentor. Or I'm going to consult and get back to you. I think that's another a great I option as well. Strongly agree. If I was working female, 14, 16, 18, pick any of that range, and I'm not, but if I was, and, you know, she, you know, felt that maybe I wasn't understanding where she's coming from, she's probably right, and I wouldn't bet, I would just go, you know what, I'm going to call my friend Emma, I trust Emma with anything, and in fact, if you don't mind, can I have Emma connect with you, because she'll want to, and that's the right thing to do. And if this person likes Emma so much that said, look, I'm going to fly out to Denver because I want to work with Emma, I'd go, absolutely, let's, let's finalize your flights. Because again, it's what's best for the student. It's not about the coach. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. You're singing to my philosophy and uh, something that took me a long time to grasp. So all our listeners out there, uh, breathe into that fantastic little bit of wisdom, which I knew we were going to get on this episode. I'm ex so excited. All right, the next question is what I call the sliding doors question. It actually is the reason you are on the podcast because somebody else, one of our previous guests, yes, John Borden, mentioned you in his sliding doors moment. So I said in that moment, I should get AJ on the podcast. And here we are. I want to know what is that moment in your life and I know you've had many, but what, is there one or two significant moments you could share with us what we call sliding doors? So your life's heading one way. Um, it, I, was, I was trying and I was on a path to go to medical school. That was the, you know, I come from a long, long line of family and everyone's a doctor and it was you know, just a given thing that, um, and, and I was, you know, I was doing fairly well academically. I wasn't in med school, but that's where I was going. And I spent a summer uh, teaching for this gentleman, Welby Van Horn. Um, really, a, he's passed away, but 
you know, he was just one of these no nonsense, but the, the guy obviously in the world of uh, coaching technical things, not, not necessarily play based, but, you know, the guy was phenomenal. So I spent the summer teaching for him in North Carolina. I, I was just trying to save some money, you know, to, I don't know, go buy pizza in college. But at the end of the, the summer, I don't know why he singled me out out of all these folks who were, uh, and I, I was doing okay, but I, I certainly wouldn't say I was any stellar or anything. But he pulled me aside and he said, what would you, what are you going to do? And I go, oh, well, I'm going to be a doctor. And that's, he said, well, you, you'll probably be a pretty good doctor. I go, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. He said, have you considered teaching tennis for a living? And I go, well, no, of course not. I mean, and he was the first person who actually stated that you'll be a you'll be a good doctor. He goes, no question, because I see you will probably be better than anything else you do as a coach. You know who's who's going to be coaching tennis because you just he just saw something there, and on a dime, I changed my entire change everything. Because I, I, I respected the man so much and why he would take the time to talk to me. I mean, he's got all these big-time coaches and big-time students and big-time names. I'll never know. But, um, you know, I, and I, I, I was able to thank him when, you know, good things happen in the industry. Uh, he's a very, very gracious, very gruff, but very, very gracious. But I'll never know why he did that. But that literally changed, you know, it's like, whoa. I, I, and that's what I did. That's a fantastic story. And, and John was, his career path was in some ways a little similar in that law school just yep. graduated. Can can you share a little bit about, do you remember that moment with John as well? Like, I mean, it sounds like you paid you paid a similar situation forward. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I hesitate to say I would change someone's life as much as well be changed mine, I think it's unlikely. But certainly John, who, who is a terribly close friend, uh, is almost my little brother, if you will. But yeah, it stands out like a sore thumb. And he really cares about coaching. And he's incredibly, he was, he is incredibly coachable. So I remember vividly, and it was probably like at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, you know, we all just hang around and talk. And I realized you're going in for the legal profession. And I said, you know, I, I don't know anything about that. I said, John, I've been in this business for a long time. And I said, I just want you to know you bring, you bring a lot of skill sets, which we don't see very often in this business. So I go, what I'm saying to you is, I, if you choose to, so I think you'll have an incredibly productive and a bright future, not just on the court, but the big picture and, you know, really doing what a lot of us do with, with managing, managing and growing people and programs. And, and you know, he, he obviously he outperformed. Uh, when I left and I joined Lifetime, John was it was just no brain just put him right in that spot and he you know outperformed there and then of course he he's now the CEO and the president of a, of a very prestigious 
worthwhile organization. But it seems like yesterday, and I, I, I don't think he was stored right away. I mean, it might have been one of those, well, and, and I remember vividly saying that after he said, I would, said, John, what I'll commit to is if, if you trust me, and that's, don't say you do till we really understand what that means. And if I have trust in you, which is going to take time, but if we both agree that this is something you feel really good about, then I will commit to you. I will absolutely work with you. And not as a hit and miss, but a very formal, we're going to do this because, gosh darn it, I'm giving you my word. This is going to work for you. And I can't take much credit. You know, he is and he was. The guy is intelligent. He's so coachable. And he really cares about people. I mean, he just cares. So I don't take too much. I can't really take much credit for it. But he was quite gracious in acknowledging that I, I had a small or just a bit of a role in, in his own, you know, professional growth. Mm. Yeah, sometimes we don't even realize how big or little or medium of a role we play until, uh, you know, it comes from them, which is, um, like you said, back to the, the metal story, which I love. Uh, the next question, AJ, is in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? Trust, trust, and trust. And now you're allowed to expand a little bit if you want. <laughs> well, when it comes down to, you know, and again, I, I really believe in this. There's all, for any of us, including you, when you study coaching behaviors and you study commonalities and the best, the best, the best coaches, sure, we have so much research and so many things. Trust is not defined as a one way. If I'm coaching Emma, if I do not trust Emma, and I'll run right through a wall for her, and if she doesn't trust the process and doesn't trust me that he will, he will never, ever do anything that will hurt me in any shape or form in life, then the coaching is going to be superficial, in my opinion, or it's not going to be meaningful. But if you have that connection and there's a commitment, we are committing. I'm committing to you. And the, the mentee tells the mentor, I'm committing to you. I think it, it takes time. It's, it's, it, and it's exhausted. Mentally, physically, people need to understand this is not, you know, well, we're going to schedule a time for half an hour. You can't. You need to be there. Then good things will happen. If you don't have that trust, it, in my strong opinion, everything else is just, you know, we're just kind of checking off boxes and hoping something happens. I, I do not, I, I just don't know how you would do it without that two-way trust. Mm. And I would rank that as number one, number two, and number three in my, how you need to create the environment where that happens. And you can't demand it, and it doesn't happen overnight. And if you break that trust, it, it's all over. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so many great messages that lie within accountability and uh, respect. And uh, again, I remember interviewing uh, Tony Roach, asking him about respect because it was one of his high qualities. And he said, well, I never demand respect, even though if you looked at his resume, he of could course. easily. Is Mr. Roach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but isn't, last... isn't that classy? That someone who I consider just a legend, I'd just love to shake his hand and say, Mr. Roach, my goodness, I mean, I grew up watching 
you along with the rest. That's also, that's again, but that goes back to, that's a classy act. And he respects the fact that you can't just say stuff. You, you, you've got to say it and you've got to mean it and you've got to deliver on it. Mm, so true. Our last official question, AJ, is where we ask you to ask us a question. So this relates to when you get a chance to meet other great coaches, like you said earlier, we've, between us, we've met some pretty incredible coaches over the years. What's that one question that sparks your curiosity? And that, that could be, that typically leads to a one-hour discussion. And I, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know what you eat for breakfast, what kind of milk you drink, when you have your coffee. I want to know exactly what you do and why do you do it. And I, the response, as you can imagine, it's everything. And I like to dig. So someone goes, you know, because I love it. What does that mean? Why do you love it? What, is, what does that mean? Do you keep track of time? If I didn't pay you, would you still do it? What, tell me more. Tell me more. Well, you know, because it, it's a noble thing. What does that mean? So that, because I really want to understand why and, and why and how and why. Mm. Most of the folks who I, res I, respe I respect immensely and I've had the pleasure to work with, you know, they've always really freely given their time because I just want to, I just want to improve. I just want to get better. And I look up to you and I don't want to waste time with superficial conversation. I need to know why. And then how do I do what you do? How do I, what, what's transferable? What is not transferable? Where where do you see yourself having a terrific bias? What, and again, if if you know the, these folks, those are you know those are easier conversations. I mean, you know, we've talked about one of our mutual mentors and, and a very very close friend, uh, Dr. Jim Lair. Over the decades, I suspect I've driven Dr. Jim Lair nuts at times because I just want to know more and more and more about what does ethics mean to him? What is situational ethics? What does that mean now? Give me examples. What does that mean? And one of the classiest things, uh, it's almost a decade ago, but I was just blown away. I mean, we're talking obscene amounts of money for, for Jim Lair potentially. Uh, terrific glamour thing. And he walked away from that particular case because it didn't line up with who he was and his belief system. It just didn't line up. He just walked away from it. Now, that, that, that is the kind of thing that I'm like, okay, but would you do that if the situation was different? What if it was, and, you know, he, well, obviously he's, He's just one of the most caring people I know. But those are the kind of things that I want to know. Arthur Ashe, I, I was just blessed. I mean, he was a mentor. I was with him. You know, many of us were close to him. But, you know, being around him and, you know, just saying that, well, what, why, why do you react like that? How come you don't get angry? I mean, that's a human. Why don't you? Why? And, you know, again, he was very, very giving. Uh, you know, he obviously, you know, when we keep track of how many of the incidents many of us have with him, you know, the one that sticks out most. Is, and again, these are life lessons. You know, someone had not been nice to him. 
just said some really stupid, total lies. And I'm 24, 25 traveling, you know, with him. And I was just very, very angry, very angry that someone spoke. So, you know, again, he kind of looked at me as always very, and some of us knew, obviously, that, you know, the man was dying of AIDS, the public didn't. So he, he said, let me make sure I understand this. I'm the one who has AIDS and I'm dying. And you're the one who's losing his mind all stressed out. Now, why would that be? Okay, there's, that's a life lesson right there. Jeez, mm-hmm. do you have any perspective? At 24, it's not, I wouldn't even make the case the brain hasn't quite matured. It's kind of maturing at that point. But, you know, those are the kind of things when, you, when, you, when you're dealing with people you respect that much, I just like to probe and I want to learn and, and I want to get better. And, I, and I, I'm not very good at a lot of small talk. That's why I've enjoyed our conversations over the years immensely. It's deep curiosity that uh, that that we both share for each other's journey. That is is what makes a two way communication street. I love that. Uh, could you share with us? Well, actually, just on if Arthur Ashe was with us still today, what do you think he would say that makes a great coach in three words or less? Um, hands down, one would be the trust. Hands down, it would be this has nothing to do with tennis. Tennis is a vehicle that will change and save lives. He, he believed that from the core of his being. If he was remembered as a great tennis player or one in the world, uh, he these are his words, not mine, he has failed. It was all about, do you are you making a difference in a child's life? Um, and third, um, I absolutely know, um, you know, to him, tennis was all about, I want you to go to college, whether you go on an academic ride or tennis ride was not the issue. Tennis will get you into college. So the, the trust was just, in, I mean, we're talking about changing lives. We're not talking about tennis anymore. And I had the privilege, along with many others, to oversee the collaboration Arthur had with, with Nick. It was a very big national Ash Voluntary. Um, you know, it was just it was just humbling to see how potent the sport is. But if, if there wasn't that unconditional trust, especially with the students, and you didn't get the point that this is not about tennis, it has nothing to do with tennis, it's just a vehicle. And if you weren't completely, totally sold on this is all about making sure you get a meaningful education and you become a good person later in life, then what the heck are you doing? And yeah, it was pretty, pretty neat to be around the man because he, he, he lived and walked his talk. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, when I asked Nick that question, he said belief in students. So uh, we've got beautiful, beautiful messages there from some of the greats. Could you share next? I'm interested around your thoughts and exploring a little bit more the difference between a coach and a mentor. Uh, I know that we mentioned off air that sometimes the word even mentor is a little misunderstood. Um, Yeah, I'd just love your perspective on that question. Sure. Well, I'll go a little bit differently, but tell me, and I think I'll answer your question. Um, a, a, A true coach, not a tennis pro who's looking for an hour of income. A true coach, in the truest sense of the word, 
is probably going to be a mentor. So I'm going to use, I'm not going to say all coaches are mentors, but anyone who is truly engaged in coaching, a lot of the commonalities will be with a mentor. And the part, again, I just like to learn, the mentor-mentee relationship is the one that I wish more people spend time on instead of, well, are, are you going to be a mentor? You know, can we schedule a call every six months? A mentor-mentee, one, there's going to be friction. There has to be friction. And at some point, the mentee better, at some level, threaten the mentor. That's healthy. That means you're doing your job. People don't understand that. That, well, it'll just be, you know, shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop. No, it's, it's not always going to be like that. Number two, the mentor has to understand, just like coaching, I'm using the, these are my words, it's a sacred, sacred bond. If you can't commit to that, do not be a mentor. And I'm guilty of this, that, you know, I'm just very old now. So, you know, people will often just say, hey, can you mentor me? Can you, and no, no, because I, 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 it's going to mentally and physically drain me and I can't commit to you because I got too many other people who I've committed to. Now, if you say, can I help you? Can I work with you? Of course I can. Why, why wouldn't we? Well, no, that's what we love doing. But mentor and mentee, because you got to understand, it is going to drain me physically. It's going to drain me mentally. I will lose sleep over things you do or don't do. And I'm guaranteeing this. There'll be times you're not going to be happy with me because I'm going to push and push and push. And I know how far to push, but I'm. Not, this is not about, you know, let's just make nice. This is about I'm making a commitment. You will grow because you trust me. If you don't grow, it's on me. So gosh darn it, we're not, this is a serious situation. And I'm, like I said, I mean, my only claim to fame is that you know, I, I seem to have, you know, people, if, if I trust and you trust, it seems even like in a John Borden's case, and there's, I won't use any names, there's quite a few others that I'm just, I just feel privileged. You know, you, you work and you work together. And keep in mind, I have had mentors, whether it's Arthur Ashe, whether it's Alan Schwartz, whether it's Butch Staples, whether it's Doug Cash. I mean, these are people, the amount of time they give me and the amount of challenges they put, that's mentoring. And we don't even keep track of time. I mean, you just don't. So if if someone understands that and totally gets it, that, okay, mentor is not a glamorous job. Okay, mentor means you're going to be, this is, you need to do this. And there's people trusting on you with their careers, with their lives. I think good things have to happen, but the, it's a very candid, you go back and forth and back and forth and you push and pull and push and pull both parties. I just, I, like I said, I, I, wish, I wish there was more thoughtful dialogue on that, including, let's not say silly stuff like, I'll be a mentor, you'll be a mentor, he's a mentor, she, let's not say stuff like that. You know, Emma Doyle to me has always been a, a friend, a close friend. She's someone I trust. She absolutely will help me and has helped me anytime, every time. Emma is not a mentor. 
Well, but she is, right? No, she's not. There's a different, there's a different dynamic. She's fantastic. But let's not insult the process and say she's a mentor. Mm. The, and there's nothing, to me, it's the highest compliment when you say mentor and you choose to be a mentee. Well, good grief. I mean, that, that's serious stuff. It's no different than legitimate coaching. Not, I, you know, I fed balls with so-and-so or I traveled with so-and-so, but did you really change someone's life? And if you didn't, then you're not a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many uh, valuable lessons within that and just the, the, the commitment into to saying yes to being a mentor uh, is, is so huge that, that I really appreciate that. Uh, I would love, I know we're, we're rounding the, this, this podcast uh, already. I feel like I need part one, part two. Anyway, uh, I won't push my luck, but I feel like leadership is something that I just want to finish on. I have a philosophy. I think the leader is coach is the way of the future. So I'd love your thoughts on, on one of my statements there. And what, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges, maybe the top one or two challenges facing leaders today? When we talk about leadership, it has nothing to do with the leader. Nothing. It, and again, there's books out there now on you know, the notion of servant-centered leadership. If you are not growing your people, you're not a leader. It, and it, you, you, it's not even, there's no discussion on this. The other one with leaders, and I've tongue in cheek, I've used it. You know, in our culture, I'm talking America, not other cultures. You think of leaders and you think of Rambo and you think of a general pattern. You know, it's like, well, this just, those are just outdated, irrelevant models. A leader can be supremely low key and quiet, a leader could be loud. But it's important to understand you don't have a cookie cutter. I'm looking for a leader because it's rah, 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 rah. That's not a leader. And again, as you know better than I do, there's way, way too much science behind this now with people who have studied this globally. And it's longitudinal studies to go, you know what? That's not a leader. People equate leaders with, well, this person grew the company and grew stock prices by X. Okay, that has nothing to do with leadership. That is a byproduct. The No different than coaching. It's the process. It's what do you have in place that will grow your people? That's all, that's all any good leader cares about. I'm going to grow and grow and grow my people. Everything else is a byproduct. Everything. So, you know, and there's books out there which are totally bogus. They talk about these beautiful leaders and how they built a company and how they, yeah, you know what? They were actually pretty rotten leaders. They were just, they, they had a lot of business smarts and they knew how to manipulate the business world and knew how to play the stuff. That's, I'm, they're brilliant. They're far more intelligent than me, far more. They're not leaders. It, it, you know, by default, it's like, well, that was a wonderful, no, he's not, or she's not. No, they're not sure what they're doing. So that, I think that the whole, and thank heavens there's people like you who will educate a lot of our CEOs and CFOs. and Guys, you, you don't use that word lightly. 
And you need to understand, just like with being a mentor, it's your responsibility. And if you're staying up at night worrying about the business and you're staying up at night worrying about your stuff, you're not a leader. If you're staying up at night because you're worrying about people, um, I'm, I'd like, you know, I respect that. Mm. And much more, much more in our culture. You know, it's almost like now, and you hear this kind of stuff. Managers is not what we need. We need leaders. I'm like, well, that's a bunch of belonging. There are certain things a manager does which only a manager can do. That includes training, operations, training. I don't want a leader doing that. So no, no, no. And by the way, a good manager must be a leader. No, they're not. Well, you know this. Of course not. There's some leaders who should never be managers and some managers who shouldn't be leaders. Mm. Some happen to fit both. But, you know, I really, truly feel if we have more people, hopefully you're one of many more coming up that are going to study this and go, guys, leadership has nothing to do with me, 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 and rah, rah, rah. It's all about my people, my people. Am I growing people? Do people feel that there's a, there's a care and it's not superficial? You know, Lifetime and any other company, there's also the word love that's tossed on love. But it's defined. It's not a love as in a romantic love. It's a love because I want a culture where people genuinely go, you know what? We have all kinds of differences, different personalities, but I love working with you. I love working here. That's important. Why do you do this? Yeah, super important. Well, on that note, love, trust, sincere, and being coachable, just some of the many through lines throughout this episode on the coaching podcast. AJ, I appreciate you. I do. I do love you. I do love hanging out with you. I think you're a beautiful soul. And thank you for everything you do, not only in our industry, but in leading people. So thank you. Emma, it is such a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me on. And you know, I mean, there's, I have the privilege of calling you a close friend. So you tell me what you need ever. And I'm there for you. Thank you. Right back at you. All right, everybody. Bye for now. The Coaching Podcast is sponsored by Transition Coach for Athletes, a global coaching, mentoring, and U.S. college sporting scholarship placement service. The service helps athletes navigate the often challenging world of choosing your best college fit while maximizing sports performance. Visit www.transitioncoachforathletes.com. That's the number four. If you or your company are interested in sponsoring the coaching podcast, reach out to info at emmadoyle.com.au.